The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. The text that was read from Matthew chapter 13 is actually a quotation that Jesus makes, at least part of it, from Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. And in that, uh, he, he's, he's uh, concerned about the fact that people are not seeing what they're supposed to be seeing, not hearing what they're supposed to be hearing, and uh, that because of this, they have hardened their hearts, or that they have uh, resisted the things that Jesus is telling them or showing them. Now, he mentions three physical organs. He mentions the eyes, the ears, and the heart. That last one, of course, uh, we're going to sort of uh, set it aside in terms of an organ, a physical organ, and, and recognize that he's talking about an emotional response to what is seen and what is heard. But that uh, in order to look at what we're seeing or what Jesus is talking about, he's, uh, he's, he's using some physical elements of our being, our eyes and our ears and our heart, in order to demonstrate to us some things that are necessary for us to comprehend, to make something out of, to, to understand now, the heart, as I said before, in the Bible, is actually that part of man that controls his emotions. So when he says uh, the heart is hardened, he's talking about the fact that we have somehow inured ourselves to the appeal that God has made, both in history and in our physical surroundings and in our relationship to Jesus Christ and our relationship to God the Father. Now, there are other texts, for instance, in Matthew chapter 22, that talks about the, the heart, and it incorporates a couple of other words, and these words are the mind and the soul. So in Matthew chapter 22, verse 34 through 37, it says, When the Pharisees had heard that he put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, that was a lawyer, asked him a question, saying, uh, Master, what's the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So he uses three expressions. Now, what we want to recognize, basically, is what most people will recognize, 
And that is, when he talks about the heart, he's talking about our emotions. When he talks about the soul, he's talking about the individual. He's talking about who we are. And when he talks about the mind, he's talking about the brain. So we love God with all of our heart, with all of our emotions, with all our entire being, with our mind. So what I want to do is look at the three physical organs that he mentions, including the brain, and just just take a look. And the reason I do this is whenever I read this text, I think of, of something more than just the impact that these these items have on us. I think of the of the magnitude of the organ itself and what it does and the marvel of it. So when I when I think about, for instance, the eye, I think of what the eye can do, the physical eye. Now Jesus is talking about the physical eye, of course, and what we see. And he's talking about the physical ear, what we hear. When he's talking about the heart, he's talking about what we feel. But I'm going to include also the brain because that's the mind. And that's how we interpret everything or that's how we, we process the information that we receive through the eye and through the ear. So let, let's just bear with me for a minute and let's, let's look at some things. Jesus is talking about seeing with the eye, and we take that so much for granted. We have two eyes, and and our eyes give us depth perception because we have two of them. But if we look at the eye itself, and and basically I'm not going to go any deeper than what you probably learned in school, primary school, that the eye is is a marvelous organ. We're able to see and comprehend objects, things around us. Now the eyes is composed of things like the pupil and the uh, iris, which is the color, and the uh, membrane that covers the eye and the uh, fluid that's within the eye and the retina on the back of the eye and the macula and so forth. All of this is contained in the eye. That's the, one of the most wonderful organs that we could imagine. Now, when I look at that, I think, you know, God created that. And I can't imagine how we could in any way not see that God designed this organ. He designed it. What the, what the eye does is it, it gathers the information that we can see in color and in depth and in contrast and it puts the image on the back of our retina reversed upside down our brain will turn it over but we get the image and we think about that in terms of a camera you know cameras have been with us less than a century oh they had the old pinhole optima which People used to put a tiny pinhole in a box and, and an image would come through it and, and uh, show itself in a shadow on the back of the box. But the camera itself came into being in the late 19th century, actually where you could capture an image. And even then the camera couldn't capture the image and retain it, so they had to develop sort of different uh, compounds of chemicals in order to 
retain the image and it couldn't do it in color and if we have any color photographs that go earlier than about 1939 they were colored by hand the four technicolor okay but the eye God created the eye at the very beginning and we can see and we can capture images and when we do the optic nerve at the very back of the eye sends that information to the brain. All the eye does is transmit the information. Just like a camera. It transmits the information. Now let's go to the next concept. Jesus said, you're seeing, but you're not seeing. And he said that in another, in another context. Matter of fact, in, in Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 21, he said, Seeing they shall not see, hearing they shall not hear. And that's, that's re-applied re, uh, in Mark chapter 8, verse 18. When Jesus said, here were some people who were supposed to be comprehending something. They were seeing it, but it wasn't making any impression on them. They weren't really understanding it. Weren't, weren't comprehending it. They weren't taking the information and making the application of that information. Information was simply transmitted. That's as far as it got. It's like a camera. You get the information. The camera doesn't do anything. The camera stops at that point, and it gives the image. The eye, however, will transmit the image to our brain, and our brain in turn will interpret that information and send the information on to our mind, which is us, our soul, and we will in turn act upon it. And you, you do that. Now that's, that's wonderful, isn't it? I, I cannot conceive of people who look at the eye and cannot see the Creator. We see the eye but can't see the Creator. We think somehow this just happened. It just, just came along out of a big blob of mud somehow and it came along and here it is. It just, it just happened. That eye has been designed. And everyone who deals with the eye understands it has the design. And they know what is normal for an eye. And they know that it is, it is consistent in its application. And they can therefore make whatever adjustments they have to make if there's a disease of the eye. But be that as it is, there is an image implanted on the back of your eye that is transmitted to your brain for the information to be somehow applied. Now then, we have the ear. And again, what a marvelous instrument it is. Sound comes in through a, a channel, and the ear itself, the ear and the ear lobe and so forth, uh, gathers the, the sound for us. Now, most of us in grade school understood what the ear looked like, basically. The sound comes in and it beats the sound waves, move against a what we call the hammer, and the hammer beats on the drum, the eardrum, and vibrates it, and then there's some stirrups there that hold it, solid bones, and then it's, that information is translated or transferred into the cochlea, where there's little tiny hairs waving around. And some of the hairs will transmit high sound and some of the hairs will transmit low sound. But all of that sound then is transferred 
through the nerve, through a nerve to the brain to be interpreted. So we hear the sound, we hear the noise, we don't really know what it means until we interpret it. So what, what Jesus is talking about is that we see things and we get the wrong impression. We hear things and it again, we, we don't really understand what we're hearing unless something happens and of course that happens in the brain. Now there are several parts of the brain that have been discovered that have impact upon our body, some in the, the frontal lobe and the middle lobe and the back lobe and so forth. Some deal with our emotions, some deal with our autonomic system, which means it keeps everything going even though we don't know it's keeping it going, our nervous system and so forth. Anyway, there are certain parts of the brain that, that uh, researchers have found that control certain parts of our body. Again, the brain then makes the interpretation. The interpretation then from the ear, the eye, the brain then gathers information. And by the way, there's a Greek word for the word uh, mind. And that's the word that basically is translated, I believe, in the New Testament that talks about the brain. It, the word brain doesn't appear in the Bible, in the New Testament. But the mind, the word that's used, the Greek word is used, means to pass through. That's interesting, isn't it? So, all the information coming from the ear and the eye and going to the brain, then the brain passes that information through to you, to me. My brain passes information to me. I am not my brain. I am not my ear. I am not my eye. I am an individual. I am, the Bible says, a living soul. So now, as a living soul, I can get the information that I saw, that I heard, and that was interpreted or filtered through to me and then passed through to me. I can either apply that or not. I have the option either of responding to it or not responding to it or looking at it and saying, I believe it or I don't believe it or I want to do it or I don't want to do it because I, as an individual, am a living soul. Genesis chapter 2 at verse 7. And 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45. Adam became a living soul. So now I'm a soul. And that word soul is used in the New Testament basically to have reference to who I am as an individual. Now, Jesus presented himself, as, we've, as this, this text indicates, when he came to this world, people saw him with the eye. They actually saw him. They didn't get a picture of him. They didn't give a draw, get a drawing of him. They actually laid eyes on Jesus. And they actually heard his voice. Went in their ears what he said. And their brain or their mind interpreted everything and passed it on, passed it through to their heart. And Jesus said, your problem is your heart's hard. You're not going to let this information impact you like it should. Their hearts are hardened. Now Isaiah said that, and Paul will later say that in Acts chapter 28, when he has a group of people around him of the same vintage and the same classic behavior. He'll have them around. He'll quote Isaiah 9 verse 
Isaiah uh, 6, verse 9 and 10, to them as well, that they've, their eyes they have deceived, but they're not seeing, their ears they've closed, and their heart they've hardened. They won't believe. So basically, that's how it works. We see, for instance, I see the wonders of this universe. And I hear the voice of the birds and the voice of all the animation. I hear the voice of the thunder. And I hear the, I hear the voice of the rumbling of the earth. And I'm thinking, did God have something to do with this or not? So there it passes through my mind. And my mind says, well, my mind should tell me that this couldn't just happen. This couldn't just come about without any design. It has a designer, and so I have the opportunity either to believe that God did this or not. So the information passes through my brain, and it gets to my soul. And as a matter of fact, don't you recall that Jesus said, not to fear those that can kill the body, but can't kill the soul. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28 through 30. But fear Him, rather, that can destroy both soul and body in hell. So I have a body, and I am a soul. And I, I can exist apart from my body. And I, I will. Now, in John chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, the, the text says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. That's what the Bible says. And I believe that. All things were made by Him. Without Him, not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, I have never seen Jesus in the flesh. I have never heard His fleshly voice. But I do have information given to me by those who did. So in John chapter 20, verse 26 through 29, there was a fellow by the name of Thomas. Do you remember him? Jesus had resurrected from the dead, and Thomas said, I don't think I'm going to believe that he's back unless I can. I, I've got to see him. And I want to feel him. I actually want to touch his flesh. I want to put my finger in the print of the nails in his hands and in the side. I want to put my hand in his side. And of course, Jesus accommodated that. Okay. But, when he did, Thomas said, My Lord and my God. So here the man could see, and he could hear, he could touch, he could feel, and he said, You are the Lord and my God. And then Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Now that would be me and you. I have never seen Jesus in the flesh. I've never heard His voice. And you know, there are people who said, well, I would believe if I could just see Him, maybe catch Him on film. See a picture of Him. No, that wouldn't work. Even though we think that might work. It didn't work for them, basically. Because they were there. They were with Jesus. And the people that saw Him, Jesus said, you're not seeing, and you're not hearing, and you're not believing. So it can happen that we don't. But anyway, what we have been given is the information in any normal situation. We have heard witnesses who have been there, who have seen that, and who have transmitted that, link, that witness, that testimony to us. So in 1 John 1 at verse 1, here's a man who was actually there. His name was John, one of the apostles. 
Peter, Andrew, James, and John. He was a fisherman. He was with Jesus. And here's John is writing his book and he's saying, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, of the word of life. For the life was manifested. He said, it was made plain. We could see it. The life was manifested. We have seen it. And bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write that your joy may be full. So, John, you're telling me you saw Jesus and you saw him before he died. You saw him in the grave. You knew he was there. And you saw him resurrected. Now, I have a choice. I didn't see that. I didn't hear that. I read that. I got the information. And it was transmitted. It came through my mind to my heart. Now, I either believe it or I don't believe it. The evidence is there, however. And so I have to, I have to set aside all these witnesses. Paul said there was over 500 men, just men, had seen Jesus after His resurrection. They knew Him before and after. This is found in 1 Corinthians and chapter 15. And the very impact that Jesus has made upon this earth argues very strongly for the fact that He resurrected from the dead. But, here we go, and that idea is, would we have believed if we had been there and seen that and heard that? Would we have believed at that point? Jesus said, here are people who are actually seeing Him, hearing Him, touching Him, and not believing their eyes, their ears, or their senses. Not believing. Now, that, that's just something that, that took place, and it's something that takes place today. People who actually saw Jesus and heard Him had the option of believing Him. That is, their heart. And their heart, some, was hardened. We're not going to believe. We're not going to believe our eyes. We're not going to believe our ears. We're not going to believe what our senses tell us. The information is passing through our mind, coming to our heart, our soul, and we're saying, no, we don't believe. I look at the universe. I look at the eye, the design, the ear. I look at the human body itself, and we see, by the way, I forgot to mention the fact that your ear helps you stand up. If you didn't have if you didn't have that type of ear, you couldn't stand on two feet. You'd be crawling around on all fours, I suppose. But your ear gives you balance. And that's one of the reasons why a human being can stand on his feet. But okay, we have all of this. That, my friend, is design. That's design. So I can either accept the fact that this glorious universe that I look at, that's so consistent in every way, so consistent that we can determine whether or not situations or circumstances will allow us to put somebody on the moon in a rocket ship because everything is consistent and we know what to expect. So we put a, put a man on the moon and brought him home. Why? 
Because in design, everything has a purpose and a consistency. Why can people tell us that we can get over this pestilence that we can call it? This pestilence. Because the human body has a design. And if, if we can discover the portions of that design that have to do with our immune system, we can, in fact, defeat the pestilence. But it's, it's the design, basically, that we can have confidence in that it's going to work this way because it works this way. And it works this way because it has a design. And so I look at the universe and I say, I know in my heart and my mind there is a God. And our God is wonderful and our God is all-knowing and He could do these things. I can't. And I think that's the arrogance of humanity at this point. If I don't think I can do it, then God couldn't do it. If I can't show you how I could do it, I can't show you how God could do it. Therefore, there is no God. That's foolish thinking, really. And uh, that's, that's not a good form of argumentation. The ability to see something important may not be connected with our actual eyesight or our auditory nerves. It may be connected more to our heart and to how we want to interpret something once we have the information. The information comes to us and we can either say, well, here's how we're going to apply this to ourselves or not apply it to ourselves. So, Jesus referred to His disciples in a number of different ways when they came into certain situations. And He said, here's, here's what's happening to you. You are getting this information, and these, these are my words, not His. He's saying, but you're getting information, and here's how you're applying it. For instance, they had uh, traditions. You, you know, when you read Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus uses the expression many times when He says, you have heard it had been said of them of old. What He's saying is, here are the people who have interpreted the Scriptures for you. He said, but I say unto you. Then He makes the application. So basically, we're, we're looking at things and saying, okay, I don't believe this because maybe I have a prejudice in my mind, in my heart. Not necessarily in my mind. Information comes to my mind. But my heart says, no, I don't, I don't think I'm going to believe that. Jesus said, here's the way you check that out. Check the Scriptures. If you believe something religiously, if you believe something about God, then Jesus said, search the Scriptures. For in them you think ye have eternal life, but there they which testify of me. Matthew chapter 22, at verse 29, and John chapter 5, verse 39. Breaking with tradition is sometimes difficult for us to do because we've been doing this all of our lives. And so when we hear something and see something, when we see what Jesus was doing, and when we hear what He was doing and saying, then that may not comport with what we have believed and done all of our lives. Therefore, the way to solve that is to go back to the Scriptures and see what the Scriptures have to say. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 3, it says, He answered and said unto them, talking to some people that came along and said, Hey, you're doing this wrong. Religiously, you're doing this wrong. What they were talking about was you're not going through a tradition of worship, washing your hands in a certain ritualistic fashion. 
And he said, you're transgressing, you're, you're transgressing the tradition of the elders. And Jesus said, why do you transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? So, our tradition can come in conflict with the word of God. With what God has said and what he has placed before us. And when that does, of course, our, our tradition becomes more important to us and our opinion becomes more important to us than the Word of God. We're more likely to advocate an opinion of something than we are the truth. That's, that's just a known fact. That traditions and opinions have more of a hold on our hearts than actual facts and truth. And it's harder for us to break out of that. Jonathan Swift, I think, is the one who is credited with this statement that, the, uh, that a lie can get halfway around the world before truth can put its boots on. So we can be confused by a lie, but it's only the truth that can clear things up, clarify things up. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So when I'm thinking about my relationship to God and who I am and where I am and what I should be doing, I come back to the Word of God because the Word of God is the truth. That's where I come. In John chapter 5, verse 45, Jesus said, Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you, even Moses, in whom you trust. Had you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. So Jesus is saying, you should have been reading the Scriptures, the Prophets, understanding them and if you did that you would understand me and you could see me and you would hear me sometimes there are truths that are hidden in plain sight uh, I, I, I've been confronted several times with people who've shown me printed material that reversed what I expected to be on the page and fool me. I don't know whether you've seen anything like this before or not. But I've been presented with, in certain situations, with, with a sheet of paper that had black lettering on it. And I, re I tried to read the black lettering when, in fact, the lettering was in the white. I don't know whether you've ever seen something like that or not. But I couldn't understand the black lettering because I was reading the black and couldn't see the white. So I had to refocus my eyes and read the white instead of the black. It's interesting. And of course, there's some pictures now that you have to kind of focus your eyes before you can actually see the picture. But, but the point is, sometimes things are hidden from our sight in plain sight. And so it's hard for us to, to pick that up. It's hard for us to grasp it. Now this happened, and the reason I'm mentioning this is, because Jesus was talking to a people who were having that problem. So many things written in the Old Testament were written in plain sight. They just couldn't see them. Could not see them. And when Jesus confronted them about this, he said, why didn't you see that? Why didn't you see that? So, for instance... In Matthew chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, it says, When the Pharisees saw it, they saw the disciples eating grain as they walked through a cornfield. They were eating grain on the Sabbath. 
And the Pharisees said, Behold thy disciples, do that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath day. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples are, are doing something not lawful. He said unto them, Have you not read what David did? Now look what he said. He said, Haven't you read? Now I'm talking to people that believe the Bible. I'm not talking to people that don't believe in God altogether. I'm talking about to you. You believe in the Bible. You believe in God. And you believe in Jesus Christ. Here are people who should have been believing in the Scriptures but they read the Scriptures and really didn't see them. They really didn't see them. And Jesus said, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and went, went into the temple and they that were with him? That's found in 1 Samuel in chapter 21. They could have read it. He said what his point was, Have you not read it? In Matthew 12, verse 4 and 5, it says, how he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread. It was, wasn't lawful for them, neither for them that were with him, but only for the priest. And then he continued and he said, Have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priest in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? That's Leviticus chapter 24. So he's talking to people who had the Scriptures in front of them. Here's what I'm saying. To them, this truth was hidden in plain sight. It was right in front of them. Matthew chapter 9 at verse 19 to verse 4, they were discussing the business of marriage and they were saying, is it lawful for us to just put away a wife for any, any cause? You know what Jesus said? Haven't you read? Did, didn't you read? That? Haven't you read this? You know these people every Sabbath day went to the temple and read the Scriptures aloud to each other. And they're asking Jesus a question. Can't we put our way, away our wives for any reason? And Jesus said, Have you not read that He which made them at the beginning made them male and female? Genesis chapter 2. They had that for years and years and years. And they'd been reading it, but they didn't see it. They didn't read it. When the children were praising Him when He came into the city of Jerusalem in Matthew chapter 21, verse 16, and they said, Why don't you tell these children to shut up? Be quiet. He said unto them, Don't you hear what they're saying? And He said, Have you never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings you have perfected praise? Well, the, you know, that's in the book of Psalms. And they had been reading the Psalms. But he said, haven't you ever read that? Obviously they had. He was questioned about his authority and his status with God in Matthew chapter 21, verse 42. Basically, friends, there are six times when Jesus asked that pointed question. Haven't you read? And the answer was, yes, they had read. But the point he's making is, you didn't understand it. Or if you did understand it, you didn't let it come through and get to your heart. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't take it to heart. He said in them, they, they asked us about authority. He said, did you never read in the Scriptures the stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner? This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. Found in Psalms 118. After the resurrection, about the resurrection actually before the resurrection, they were asking Jesus about it. And they said, here, 
here's a problem. And the Sadducees thought they'd, they'd take this issue on themselves. They said, here, here's the problem, Lord. A man marries a woman and he dies. And obviously the Levite law of marriage meant that the brother had the next brother had to step up and marry the woman. And if he died, we said, well, six of them did this. So she's married to six brothers. They all died. They said, uh, whose wife shall she be in the resurrection? And Je- you know what Jesus said? He said, as touching the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but the living. Exodus chapter 3. How often had they read that account? Moses standing before the burning bush. God talking to him. And it was recorded. A highlight in their history. And Jesus said, didn't you read this? You didn't see it, did you? You read it, you didn't see it. Sometimes we read it and don't see it. We have eyes and ears and a brain and we are living souls. We can open our eyes and ears and and keep our hearts fresh and pliable to the work of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. And we can open our eyes and ears to the wonders and magnificence, the wonders and the magnificence of the creation of God and recognize the immaculate design through which He has put everything in its proper place. We can do that. And we can believe in our hearts that God has raised Him from the dead or we can set Him aside. Jesus attacked this business of lack of sight on several occasions. And that's amazing to me. Here was a man born blind from his youth in in John chapter 9. And Jesus touched his eyes and he gave him his sight. He could see. Now, the Pharisees and Sadducees came along, those who were opponents of what Jesus was saying and teaching. They came along and they said, uh, they asked the man, "Who, who did this? And they had a quarrel about it. They asked his parents, who did this? And they quarreled about that. And finally the man told them, he said, this is a marvelous thing, verse 39. He said, it's a marvelous thing that a man born blind and now I see and you don't know who he is. You don't know who did it. Isn't that marvelous? When you lose your sight, you detach your optic nerve. You lose your sight or you've never had your sight before. And your sight is restored. These people knew that it never happened before in their lifetime. And it has not happened since that someone just comes along and says, you can have your sight back. And when we lose our sight, when we damage our eyes, we have yet to come to the place in our sophisticated society where we can get that back. And our hearing is the same thing. And yet when Jesus came and John's disciples came to him and said, are you the, are you the Christ? Are you the one that should come or do we look for somebody else? John, in Matthew chapter 11. And Jesus said, you go tell John this. 
The blind can see, they have their sight. The deaf can hear. The lepers are cleansed. The dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And the lame walk. Think of all those things that Jesus is talking about. Think of what he's saying. He's saying, I'm giving people their sight. You find someone that's been born blind from his birth, and a doctor gives him his sight today, his name will go up in banners in, in flaming fire. We'll hear about that guy. Jesus did that. He did that. But people weren't seeing that. People were lost their hearing. You know, that the, the ear is a delicate, delicate instrument. So is the eye. And yet Jesus was healing people. And those who were seeing that, and they weren't stupid. They knew that the brain was not their mind. They knew that it was, it was that organ that gave them information. They knew that the heart was not the blood pump. They knew it was the soul of the individual. They knew what Jesus was talking about. And we do too. We know that when he's talking about seeing and hearing, he's talking about delicate instruments. When he's talking about the heart, he's talking about the soul of the individual who either comprehends and grasps that information and puts it to proper use or not. These people knew what he was talking about. But Jesus was impacting these these things in the, in his lifetime. And people were either believing what they saw and what they heard and what they felt and what they experienced. It was going through their brain. It was hitting their heart. And they were either believing it and accepting it or rejecting it. That's exactly the position we're in today. We can look at the universe around us and see the wonders of God in creation. We can see the design and all of these delicate instruments that God has given us to make us a human being. And we can know that we have the capacity, not our bodies, but our hearts and our minds have the capacity to either believe that there is a God in heaven who designed all of this grandeur around us, or we can say we did it ourselves, pulled ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We created ourselves, and we're going to create everything else around us. That, my friend, I believe, is foolishness, foolish thinking. And we can either believe that Jesus came to this earth, He lived, He died, and He resurrected, and we can accept the testimony. We can see the print on the pages of inspiration. We can hear the voices of those who tell us the story from the Bible. And we can let that pass through our mind and filter that information, pass it to our heart, and we can either act on it as a living soul. I can say, yes, I, not my body, but me, and I can be without my body. I can, I can, I can stand apart from my body and will, and you will too. You are not just the physical components that make up your body. You are a soul, a living soul. I can either accept what I comprehend or I can reject it. I can do that. That's, that's within my purview. I can believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and set Him at His own right hand 
on His throne and I can bow before that majesty with that information or, and I have the option, or I can ignore it and go about my business blithely forgetting about God. I ask you to, to consider the universe around you. I ask you to think about whether or not you believe God created you or you just somehow came into being with eyesight, two eyes, stereophonic hearing with two ears, with a heart that pumps blood all through your body, with the brain that assimilates information, and with a heart that can feel, a soul that can feel the influence of God and the love of God, or the hate that can destroy us. It's up to you. Eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to believe. That's what we want. 